We're back with Citizen Bacon, who has been hounding the candidates in New Hampshire. What do you have for us uh, in Keene? Clip 1A. Okay, so clip one, okay, 1A. So the, the clip that we heard a little, uh, a little while ago in the show was mostly um, this reporter from Keene, um, Jake uh, Lahat. I think that's how you pronounce his name. So I, I talked with him briefly a long time ago at one of the Warren events, and so this was the first time we really heard him ask a lot of questions. I thought it would be good to just get him to talk a little bit after. So this is going to be him. He's This is a little bit inside baseball because this is going to be a lot about or a little bit about New Hampshire politics and stuff and how the different candidates – go to different areas of the state to sort of get that area of the aren't there like in New, aren't there like 535 state representatives in the New Hampshire assembly don't they have like the largest assembly yeah, we have yeah we have the largest uh, state house of any state yes how many exactly. people serve I, I, you're somewhere right I don't know that I don't have that statistic with me you I may be serving you don't even know it yeah, there's been a lot of jokes. Um, different candidates have made jokes that like there's almost always like someone on who sits who who is a like a, a seated member like in the crowd. Okay, and you people. Yeah. you live in New Hampshire. Does that make for a more vigorous democracy? Um, I it, 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 I haven't been to be honest. I really haven't been that big on the state pol- political stuff as much as I should be. I you know I raising kids and stuff. I've spent my time doing other things. I'm kind of just getting back into this sort of stuff. Okay. Um, so maybe after the primaries, I'll bring more into that. I know there have been certain occasions because there are guns allowed in some places. I can't remember if it's actually in the state. But there's been at least two occasions where members have had guns fall onto the ground, like onto the floor, like out of their pocket or something, or out of their thing. Um, I don't know if that was actually in the state house or in like the assembly room or something, but in the, in the, in the big building, that's happened at least twice. Okay. But, and yeah. b- before we play this clip, New Hampshire is primarily a centrist state. What is the politics? Um, well, it's changed over time, and that's what um, 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 Jake's actually going to talk about a little bit, how, how the demographics has, have changed, how it used to be much more of a, uh, like a Republican state, but it's sort of drifted to a more Democrat state as more people have, more wealthy people have moved to the state and got sort of second homes and stuff. It's become less of a blue-collar state to some degree, but there's obviously still a lot of that. So there's a lot of richer people who live at the bottom of the state who maybe even work in Massachusetts and stuff and just live here sometimes to avoid because we don't have a uh, we don't have an income tax we don't have sales tax we just have like a property tax and we have a uh, some sort of tax on like um, like investment income or that kind of thing right and um, Sununu yeah. is your governor and he's a Republican yes we do have a Republican governor uh, this occasion but we have two women um, senators uh, you know in, in Washington which is very cool okay. Um, yeah, and, and are they Democrats or Republicans? They're both Democrats. Okay, interesting. All right, so yeah. what, what what am I playing here? Clip number. This is one A. So this is just going to be Jake. He's just going to be explaining some of the New Hampshire politics to me, and then of course to your listeners. Did you just hear me cough? I heard something. Yeah. Oh, hang on, because I okay. know I, I know how to use the cough button now. Listen to this. Did you hear that? Not really. Oh, I just called you an a-hole. 
There's oh, another yeah. button. There's the David Bacon a-hole button where I can call oh. you an a-hole and you don't hear it. And then there's another oh. one where I can cough. It came yeah, It came with the mixer. It's amazing. Wow. It already has my name. Yeah. All right. Wow. I'm being nice to you. Some women complain. <laughs> that that I, no, no. I have to be nice to you. All right. All right. 1A. Here we go. Anyway, well, I mean, what, what I'm saying is Bernie won two out of three voters in Cheshire County, the southwest corner of the state, yep. Sullivan County, the, the so-called Bernie's Backyard. Right, along the right, right, right. Valley. Sure, because that's from, yeah. So I did a story about this, about Bernie's Backyard, and right. kind of looking at like how other campaigns are looking to pick those people off. I also did a story where I went canvassing with one of Warren's volunteers for a weekend. Nice. And every time they asked a voter and they answered, who'd you vote for in right. 2016 in the primary, right. they all said Bernie. Right. Now, and they were randomly. They yeah. weren't, like, doing their... No, I think they have... There's some proprietary things that I yeah. took off the record. And right, of course. They have some secret sauce. Because I would think that they would they would know yeah. from his thing. I mean, they were... Because Bernie's thing, they have, like, the... You're, they're putting it right into yeah. the device, and not they all, hand And doing they all it. have a version of that. The app, the, the app that this campaign uses is called, like, Minivan or something. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they turn it demographically, but if you look at the that valley, particularly with the Dartmouth area, the sure, area, sure. you know, that profile of voters, if you can if you can just, you know, get a little bit or just get all of them, and on the grand total, it's no more than 20% of the votes statewide. But right. if everyone's going to be bombarding Hillsborough and Rockingham counties and right. splitting that up evenly, yeah. if you can run up the score... On the west side, especially if it's a four or five weight race, you know, suddenly you can win if, yeah, if you yeah. really dedicate the time there. Yeah. Similarly, uh, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg, yeah. a little bit of Joe Biden, but in terms of actual time spent, Pete's done a lot of stuff in the North Country, a lot of stuff yeah. in these areas, the Lakes region, where, you know, people have increasingly turned their seasonal homes into year-round homes. Yeah, yeah. So they tend to be older, not right. originally from New Hampshire, highly educated. Right. And, you know, again, I think that's the demographic that's going to ultimately decide the primary, and really, you know, when you... The highly educated. Yeah. And, and because that, more wealthy. And that's what you'll hear in the, in the Scala interview, is right. that, that he wrote a book about this, that there's been a trend where New Hampshire has moved from a more working class right, right, right. purple when state was, yes. to approaching a highly educated, older blue state. Right, right. So, you know, that's where it really does become, in this set of circumstances, a bit of a two-way race between Warren and Buttigieg, yeah, with someone yeah. like Sanders having a good quarter of the state or are a little less big, right, right, right. You know, so I, I think that it's it's not a, it's not a coincidence that some of the places Warren has hit hardest have been on the western part of the state, up near Dartmouth, because that's a profile that you know you need to do really not, not just get like you know a quarter or half of them. You want to get you want to rock that one, right, yeah. right, right. Oh, that's anyway, very interesting. I do get my stuff together. Yeah, but, of course, man. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. What was your name again? Jake Lahat. I was Jake, I, 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 I on Twitter and everything. Yeah, I but yeah. I'm not on any social media. So how do we read that guy? Or it's a podcast. Well, he yeah he has a he has a well he's he's a he's a he's a, a, a reporter for the Keen Sentinel. His name is Jake Lahut. I think it's L A H U T. And um yeah he has a podcast. It's called Pod Free or Die. That's put out from the Keen Sentinel. And he was able. I guess um, he got Yang to come on super early before there was any, uh, you know, Yang had any following. And then right. Cory Booker did it second. And I guess because okay. Cory still, you know, he was in it. So he got a lot of other people. Right. That's all. It's just, uh, you know. But I right. thought it was interesting just to hear hear a bunch of stuff. I mean, you not everyone's going to know all about New Hampshire, but it was it's kind of interesting because so many people live on the bottom right corner. But if people hit the bottom left corner, even though it's a smaller thing, they can really right. get a lot of uh, right. the voting from there. So, 
you know. And, and also by playing that, I think I could interview him more formally in a later date, but now that we've played that a little bit too. Right. So we'll and see. as we do on each show, we go over the real clear politics poll averages in New right. Hampshire. Bernie Sanders is in the lead with 19%, followed by Buddha Judge, 17.7%. Biden, 14.3%. Elizabeth Warren, it's her backyard, 13.3%. Tulsi Gabbard, 5.7%. Yang, 4.7%. And Steyer, who we're going to hear from in a second, only has 2.7%. A percentage for each billion. And nationally, Biden is at 27%, and Bernie is in second place with 19%. Warren, third place, 15.3%. Buddha Judge, 8.3%. Bloomberg, 4.9%. Amy Klobuchar, 3.5%. And Yang at 3.4%. Steyer's not even registering nationally, but he's focusing on Iowa, New Hampshire. So I guess, I mean, he yeah. was in Ohio, I think, the other day. He really hasn't spent time here, other than he, he spent his money here, but not, yeah. not his time. Okay, so, so let's <laughs> go to clip number two. Two, clip number two. Okay, so this is going to be, I'm at a house party. We mentioned this the last show. Oh, the Michael Bennett I, house party. This is it's going to be the Michael Bennett thing. I squeeze this in between the Steyer things. So I, 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 I kind of like to keep them in the same order that I did them because it's kind of lets you sort of follow the path, my path in a sense. But anyway. Okay. So, so there's a B next to the two. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, there should be just a two. It's just the, this. So the part two is just Bennett's. This is, this is what Bennett, this is going to be a quick, Two minute, or I'm sorry, a quick one minute, 13 seconds. This is just something that Bennett says during his speech. This is the thing I use to come up with my question that I ask him later. Because I was originally going in with the question about the, uh, uh, the, the, the I was going to ask him the Second Amendment gun question with the commas. Okay. Um, okay. So because of, yes, because of what he says. So you're just going to hear what he says, and then we're going to see if you can come up with what, what the question is. Oh, okay. This is like Jeopardy. Yeah, so this is clip two. He's gonna he's gonna lay out his thing, and then I come up with a question from that. I wait till he's all done. Other people ask questions, and then I come up with a question, which will be number three. But if we just play two, we'll see if people can come up with what. God, what do you ask him from what he says? Okay, I think it's obvious, but we'll see. I, I'm sure all of you remember. I remember where I was when Barack Obama was elected president, and and when he declared victory in Grant Park in Chicago on that beautiful night with Michelle Obama and their two daughters standing on that stage. And I was sitting in my house, it wasn't my house, but it was a rental house actually in Denver, a civilian, the superintendent of the Denver Public Schools. I wasn't in politics. I can remember sitting there thinking to myself what this was going to mean for the kids in the school district where I worked. When they thought about what a president looked like from now on, that president would look like Barack Obama. What it would mean for my own kids that that that's what they would think a president looked like. And no matter what they did to him, they can't take any of that away from him. And it did make a huge difference. It still does for the kids that are still in the Denver Public Schools. 
what what I and I was sort of thought here we are we've reached the pinnacle of our civilization and all the work is done uh, and it turned out I was wrong about that and I shouldn't have been so naive because it was a dream it was it's a, the forces of reaction sort of set in almost right away I can't even respond to how vapid that is how what vapid oh and yeah, empty well, it's just a bunch of words. I mean, he's right. a, he's but the he, problem. Yeah, but you know, he's talking about how happy he was, you know, for his students in Denver Public Schools. So why? I, I, so the question is, what will your election bring to the students? Right. Well, kind of, but so if he's so. Oh, the other thing that's going to occur that we talked about a little bit last time is he's going to, this is where he's going to use that technique of like interrupting me as I try to get going with the water. You'll see, right. hear him do it twice. You'll hear him do it twice. Okay. So, um, so, so you have a follow up question to that. And so that, I have a question from that. Yes. And that would be clip number four. Is that correct, sir? Or three? It's clip number three. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I have a cold. All right. All good. All right. Clip number three. Hey, so I only am going to ask this because of what you said earlier. So you mentioned that when Obama was elected. Somebody's water. Thank you very much. You you said when Obama was elected. you my Marco Rubio. No. (laughs) I don't know the reference, but. (laughs) So so you said you remember where you were when Obama was elected and how excited you were for your students because they would they would be able to, like, have a leader to look up to or that sort of thing. So then. I guess the only question I can ask then is, wouldn't you want the same thing for 50% of the population of all the schools in the whole country, meaning a woman? Sure. I mean, look, I think, I think, it's, I think that it would be Good. very exciting to have a woman president, and um, I think I would be excited by that, and I think, you know, the... I don't think he could be excited by anything. (laughs) Right. Uh, But uh, I really believe that at this moment in time with the people that we have running, um, I I believe that if I can get some elevation, I'm the best position to actually take on Donald Trump and beat him. Not because I'm a man and not because other people are women, just because of our different experiences and our different perspectives on the race. You know, from my perspective, what's also very important to me is that we elect somebody president with integrity, and we elect wow. somebody uh, president. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, literally, like, where, 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 as a parent, where if you were trying to teach your kids honesty and integrity and patriotism and care for other people and you know the willingness to sacrifice to not be greedy to do the right thing to you know all that stuff yeah. that you could look at the president and say that's an example of somebody no. who's doing what we we're talking mute, about we mute the TV. and and that i think i would offer that but i, I take your point yeah it's just i can't, i can't solve that problem between now and the election right i know i just you know because they're all they're, i can give you their other candidates there's so. there's there's a moderate woman in amy and then there's a more you know i'm not it's a house party i'm not going to get into it about you know. okay yeah. You're in charge of this house, so you get to... One thing I actually don't know you're... So he tried to throw you off. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it just seems to me, it's like, wait, if he's so happy that an African-American guy run the president and like, what is it, 15% or something of our population is yeah. African-American people? So, oh, he's so happy for all these kids who are going to look up to an African-American thing. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm for Bernie and I want him to win, but it's like, wait, there's freaking women running. If you are so happy that 15% are happy, wouldn't you want 50 freaking percent of the people to be happy? Like, it makes no sense. Get out of the race. Yeah. Let a woman win if that if that's the yeah. thing that you and he had you how you can't answer that question. No, that's, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know. He was afraid was like, of you. Okay, I, he was afraid of you. Well, it's well, he's used to now seeing me because I mean, he he knows who I am. He recognizes me. I do not think. And then right after, because he like turned, he's like, because the woman whose house it is, he just like goes, "Okay, you're in charge of the house." Almost like, why did you let this guy in? You know, Good. you're in charge of the house. Let's turn it over to you. You know, so great. Great. Yeah, you know. All right, so we're doing clip number three now? No, that was clip number three. That you're correct. So, I was just testing you. Yeah. This is clip well, number I'm, four. I'm, what do you have? Okay, so clip number four. This is going to be at the second Steyer event. The second Steyer event was in Nashua, uh, New Hampshire, and it was put on by a group, and I can't remember, and I don't have the group here, but the, 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 the person who, who was like the moderator was the guy, the Lansig, Lawrence Lansig or whatever from Harvard. Oh, He's Lessig, like the lawyer. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Lessig. Lessig was the, uh, the moderator. So I'm at the event. And um, this is not, you know this is another thing that I that I I'm going to mention here if we have the little time just for a second. So I okay, I know I know I mentioned this too much, but I don't have a smartphone. So when I'm at these events, all the other reporters they're on their phone all the time. They set up their camera and then they're just on their phone waiting for the event to happen. Well, I don't have that, so I'm paying attention to the room. So for example. Like the kids from uh, the, from the Massachusetts school, like I see them as soon as they're like they come in, and I'm t I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a who's a, uh, a documentary film guy who I've met through this, so I'm talking to him. I'm like, oh, there's the high school kids, and he's like, what high school kids? I'm like, oh, those kids. Don't you remember them at the at the Biden thing? Amazing. Those were the kids who were, who were holding up the, uh, the, the 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 pop cereal box things. He's like. That pop cereal box things. Amazing. And I'm like, well, those guys, and, and then it hit me like on the drive home. I was like, oh yeah, no one sees this because they're freaking in the, they're, you know, some of the reporters are amazing and great, but they're in their phone all the time. So, in their bubble. Exactly. That's right. They're, right. they're in yeah. their bubble, not in the moment. And they're not. Because they, I mean, yeah. I'm also fresh and new. So this is, I'm more like, oh, let's see what's going on. So I mean, yeah. Now, you know, the longer you've done this, the more, whatever. So anyway, this is kind of a similar, this dude, so this is at the Sire thing, the second one in Nashua. There's a guy in the back row, and I notice he's got freaking Tom Steyer written on his face. So it's like, oh, wow, he must be a huge Steyer fan. He's written, you know, in like ink or whatever. He's written it all over his face, Tom Steyer, 2020. So I go and interview him. So this is a short two-minute, 18-second interview with this guy. And after a while, I, I, it's like, okay, I don't – you just want attention. So, But anyway, you'll hear. I'm, supply, a little yeah, I'm surprised he slipped through security. Here we go. 
Yeah, this is David Baker with the David Feldman Show. I'm here at my second Tom Steyer event for the day. I think we are in Nashua. Um, and I'm noticing a gentleman who has Tom uh, written in black uh, something on his face and then Steyer 2020 on his forehead. So I'm assuming you're a big fan of Tom. Uh, yeah, I consider myself, I don't know why I would call myself like a Sty guy or a Tom head, still trying to figure out, you know, what our... Uh, right, there, is, there isn't a name like the Yang Gang or something like that. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you guys need something to do with yeah, that. Maybe That's a sty guy. Okay. Sty guy's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a sty is—is is that that cutting device though that they used to like harvest wheat or something? Or is that a? I don't know. There's oh, well, something that's a sty. He can there? use that to help defend uh, democracy. There, you, about there that. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so why are you such a fan? Uh, I just—I uh, appreciate that he obviously is very well off. He's a billionaire, right? And oftentimes people in that class will buy politicians. And he's getting himself out there, and instead of paying someone to do his work, he's doing it himself. Okay, so there's another uh, billionaire in the election, I think, who's, who's doing the same thing, no? Uh, 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 Bloomberg, who just oh, entered a little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, he just entered, yeah. Right, yeah. so he would follow, it, according to what you just said, I, he would also yeah. fall into that, right? I, and I respect that, too. Uh, I, I think Tom Steyer comes across more of a, you know, more down-to-earth, more uh, blue-collar kind of guy. And Bloomberg is, you know, sort of comes across to me as more of like uh, upper class Wall Street type of guy. So. Is there a certain like issue or like a stand that he has taken that you really uh, uh, relate to or, you know, is, 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 is something that you're really strong about? I like what he... I like his his tone when he speaks, and that's why I'm coming to this event to learn a lot more about him. Oh, okay. So, but yet you still have written Tom on your face, so well, you must know, you know, there's something well, going on. because I didn't want to spend the money for a tattoo, so I just... Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Well, then, I mean, you're all in then, and you still want to learn a little more. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay, super. Um, yeah, well, that's all good. Uh, do you want to say your name? Uh, Mark Gallagher. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. It's just so goofy. They're like, what? He didn't know much about the guy, but he's, you know. And then it's funny because right after I left, one of the, like, people from the Tom Steyer, like, thing noticed I was talking with him and then came over and interviewed him after me. But, you know, whatever. Okay. Just very odd. All right. Yeah. Great job. Great job. And let's do clip number five. You say that's a long one. So clip number five is going to be the ga they did a gaggle after the, the Steyer event in Nashua. So probably about eight minutes, the whole thing is going to be about 12 and a half minutes long. About eight minutes of it is going to be the gaggle, and it's going to be um, um, Julie again, who asked a question at the last thing, and you've heard her ask questions at a bunch of stuff from the, one of the NBC ladies. Um, and then there's going to be a guy um, who's, the, who's a documentary filmmaker. Um, shit, I don't have his name in front of me. Oh, Kevin... B-O-W-E with public news service. He's going to get a question and I'm going to get, I'm going to get the first question. And, and then after the gag was over, like I told, uh, Rihanna, which was one of the three high school kids from Massachusetts, she was like hanging out. I'm like, hey, if you just hang out, we're going to do the gaggle. Just kind of wait. Maybe you can get a question in too. And then so she waited till after the entire gaggle. And then Tom leaves the gaggle and she kind of hangs out. And then boom, she asks a question. They try to get him to leave, but he answers her question for a while because she's a freaking high school kid and they kind of like to talk to the high school people. Um, so you're going to get her question in too. So it extends the thing out to about 12 minutes. Okay. So. Clip number five. 
Hello again. Faces. Yeah. <laughs> checking me to ask me the same question. No, they'll all be no. I just, you know, new stuff. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. Hey, so I'm really curious. What must have changed in your life to go from what you did in the private sector to now your such strong promotion about the environment and all that stuff? Because I know there was some stuff about the coal thing and people at Yale, kids wanted to like protest or something. I don't know if it would have been just that, but something must have really changed. The, the thing that really changed was I figured out somewhere around 12 years ago. Right. Maybe more. That the, having a fossil fueled economy was gonna had this huge unintended consequence of climate change. Right. And I started spending effort and money, research dollars, political dollars, to try and understand what we could do to arrest that crisis right. and turn it around. And I tried a lot of different things. I also divested from fossil fuel investments, right. personally, right. and walked away from my business. Right. And have worked on climate change for over a decade because I realized something that, look, nobody started, you know, energy companies to try and destroy the world. Right. We just discovered along the way that there was an unintended consequence. Right. And so I realized it and I tried to act, I think, appropriately to, to work on the problem. And so I'm asking Americans everywhere right. to do exactly what I did over a decade ago, which is say, look, we weren't trying to do something wrong. We discovered we were doing something wrong. And now we're trying to make sure that we do something right Right. fix it. Was it something you read or where did you, where did that impetus, that idea? Well, you know what really happened was we, we were sitting around the dinner table and I've got four kids. And so we're all sitting around the dinner table and we're like, what do you guys really worry about? Uh-huh. And so we started talking about it, and then I started doing research. I was so like, it was the youth. Wow. And your own youth. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Of like, wow, we really have got to, if we're going to be responsible. You. Me neither. be, you know, really. I think when he asked his kids what really concerns you, and they said, you staying home. <laughs> what what can you do to get out of here? Like, you know, run for president. He is very good at looking you in the eye and making you think that he's listening. And follow. But I think he's just freaking in the, I think he just, he just moved. He just saw that, okay, my investment in, you know, he's 1.6 billion. He's, he's a smart freaking guy. I think he got out, he got all that harassment from, cause he went to Yale and then the Yale, cause he, he, I guess the Fallon or what, what is that, the, 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 whatever that freaking thing that he ran that, um, Farron or whatever the uh, Farallon or whatever capital. Wait, I get. I think they controlled a lot of money that like were the, the the college endowments or whatever. So I think the Yale endowment. He was running a lot of the money from that, and then the Yale kids are like, "Hey, this stuff is all because it was all invested in freaking crappy coal." Mm -hmm. And they protested him, and then it took a few years for him to divest from that. Then he eventually sold all that, but it's like that wasn't the impetus for him to get on this environmental kick. I think he just saw the light, like. This is like Al Gore, you know, like maybe he's done some good things, but, you know, he invested in all this like solar stuff and made a lot of money by doing his little, uh, you know, uh, slideshow thing about the, you know, bad things that are coming. And I think, I think this guy is, you know, that kind of thing of just, he's just, he just turned his investments into solar stuff and, 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 right. and that kind of stuff. That okay. is my guess, is my guess. Let's but, get back to it. 
deal with the issues at hand? Why? I usually, I thought growing up that the American government basically dealt with the issues at hand. Yeah. And I realized, why is this not happening here? So I started, literally, I started by funding research dollars because I thought it must be the technology. We need better solar. We need better wind. We need better batteries. We've got to make this happen. It's the technology. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it's not the technology. It's the politics. Right, exactly. And it took me a while to understand how, you know, to progress to, oh, my God. You know, there's a reason this is happening. Yeah, and we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. This is Sire, um, I changed a thought that from this event that was particularly interesting was when you were talking about living in different fact worlds, particularly calling out Fox News. How much do you think that Fox News and disinformation, either from that channel or social media, played in the impeachment process? And are you worried it's going to impact the 2020 election? Look, as we all know, they got rid of the fairness doctrine somewhere in the early to mid-80s. It said that media companies had to present both sides of an issue. And I think what we've seen is that right-wing media is presenting slanted and inaccurate versions of the truth. And if, if that's all that people see, they don't get the full picture at all. And I think that was something that the people didn't understand when they changed those rules in the 1980s. And I think that it's led to a division in America, as I was trying to tell from a semi-humorous story about some friends of mine, that in fact you really don't have the vocabulary or the shared facts to have a conversation to work through what the right thing to do is. So I think it's had a very traumatic negative impact on the United States. And I think that it is part, you know, a big reason that we have the partisan divide that we do. How do you combat that in both the primary and the general election? Look, to me, I'm a grassroots turnout person. And I believe that there are many more people who agree with me around the country than disagree. And the question is, can we reach them? Can we inspire them? Can we enable them to raise their voices? That's what I've always tried to do, and that's what I'm trying to do now. As you brought up several times tonight, you were the leader of the Need to Impeach movement. The president has officially been impeached. It's heading to the Senate. What was your reaction to the House vote being strictly on partisan lines, and in particular, Democrat Tulsi Gabbard breaking ranks and voting present for both, not voting yay or nay? Look, I thought that the evidence was quite clear. Over, well, let me say this, overwhelming, that this president is corrupt and it obstructed justice. I don't think there's any question about it. So I was very disappointed, of course, to see no Republican willing to consider the facts in living up to his or her oath to the Constitution. And, of, you know, I think if you examine those facts, it's overwhelming. And, of course, they brought a very limited charges against this president, who, in my mind, has been breaking his oath of office virtually since the very first day he took office. But do you think that Gabbard's argument for voting president, that it was a protest of the partisan process, do you think the process was partisan? Do you think that that was a good argument for voting president in protest? The vote was about whether to impeach the president based on overwhelming evidence. I I thought the evidence was overwhelming and, you know, I think really required people to face the facts here that we have the most corrupt president in American history and we have to do something about it. Mr. Steyer, uh, there was a letter in the editor in the Seacoast that praised you from a voter, but it was also uh, critical of the fact that all he seemed to do was see you on TV and and glad to see you in New Hampshire, which really leads to my question. Um, You've talked a lot about grassroots and and people-powered democracy, and and, uh, but you've made conscious decisions. You could have written... uh, um, had a campaign based on 
uh, grassroots financing like Warren or Sanders. You could have been making more stops in New Hampshire, here in New Hampshire much more, or Iowa, but you certainly are not on the same pace as other candidates. And it, you seem to be focusing just on television ads. Is that grassroots? Why haven't you made those kinds of decisions wow. like your other competitors? Let me say this. If you look at my schedule, which maybe we should share with you, actually I am on the road all the time, and I am on the road in the early primary states all the time, six days a week. So I, I really go home to California to get a change of uh, clothes and get back out there. So actually, if you look, I do believe in grassroots in terms of our grassroots presence here. We started later, so building the team has taken a little longer than, than if I'd started at the beginning of the year instead of in July. But I am a believer in grassroots, and I spend all my time literally doing things just like this every day. So you're spending enough time in the Iowa's, in the New Hampshire to win? That's my full intention, and that's what I believe in. Look, my whole goal here is to be face-to-face -face with as many voters as possible. That is my – and so if I'm not doing it fast enough and hard enough, you know, that's all I'm doing. So, it, honestly, that's what I believe in. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not overlooking anyone, and I'm by no means – I spend a tiny fraction of my time on TV, and I spend the overwhelming bulk – of my time and what I consider to be my most valuable and important time, talking to people directly. Not only saying what I have to say, but also hearing what they have to say and understanding more what's going on in those states. Um, if I may ask one uh, follow-up on, uh, <laughs> on kind of related to that, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg has come out criticizing Democrats for instituting purity tests, especially when it comes to fundraising and campaign donations. The wine cave has been quite a story. What is your response? Do you think that Democrats are instituting too many purity tests? Do you think that this criticism of the wine cave is fair? Look, the whole point, I think, the, the, the argument about fundraising is, is it changing what you talk about? Is it changing your stances? Is it in some way perverting the process? I think that's really the question here. I asked Pete Buttigieg one question on the stage on Thursday night. It was not about wine caves. It was, as a 37-year-old, why don't you have a better climate proposal? So to me, what I'm interested in is actually the most important thing for the American people. If I thought Pete Buttigieg were being, that is not my, where I'm focusing my time. My question is, really for these guys, what are we doing actually to, to serve the American people? What are we proposing to do that's important? How are we different? How are we definitely going to beat Mr. Trump? That's what I've spent my time on, and I tried to say that night, what we need to do is make sure we do that, and we should be pushing at each other as hard as possible on the really important questions in front of the American people. Okay. Thanks, guys. Awesome. So, good to see you again. Nice to see you. Yeah. No, no, no. Both events were good. Yeah. yeah. But especially the, the first one too was really strong. Yeah, exactly. So, Pleasure. Sir. I tried to record and act as fast as possible. I know. I know. I know. Yes. Good time. Okay. Mr. Senator, you again. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, but you didn't. Hundred thousand dollars. Oh no! She's more interested in getting a question now. I didn't want to ask you up on the stage. I know you're rushing to get through all the pictures. So uh, my government teacher has been trying to inspire us, as I mentioned, to see all of the candidates, and so he's also trying to teach us. We're in an AP government politics class, so he's teaching us about our role as citizens mm -hmm. of the U.S. and what mm -hmm. we can actually do. And you mentioned that citizens, it's our job
on the people's job to speak out and get involved and yep. act on these things. But how exactly do you propose the citizens to make a difference when the only people who can set the rules in our country, who can do anything, are those that we elect? How are citizens supposed to have that hope that they are making a difference? And how are you going to inspire that? Look, you know, that's grassroots. You know, I, I run a grassroots organization which basically goes door to door to talk to people about their votes, does phone but banking. Does a vote even matter when the Electorate College no. is exactly who's Look, choosing? It's always going to matter. <laughs> I, it, it does matter. You know, in California, believe it or not, we had a fantastic 2016. Next Gen registered over 800,000 people in California, changed the path. We won everything, and has it made a dramatic difference in California? Do we have a terrible so president sorry. the whole time? We have to run, otherwise. So it, it may not control everything, but it has a huge impact. So the kinds of things of old-fashioned democracy that they did in the 18th century, which is talking to each other, making the case, trying to get people involved, huge deal. That is democracy. You know, it's not... First of all, one thing is, it's really fun. It can be frustrating. It can be frustrating. It can be tedious, but it's really fun and it's ridiculous. And so you should talk. Are you from New Hampshire? No, I'm from Massachusetts. Right, I remember you said that. So here's this. Look, you should talk to NextGen. We hire and pay young people because otherwise kids who aren't well-to-do can't afford to do it. They have to have a job that pays. The Biden team offered her a job. Yes, I should definitely have paid interview. But okay, to I'm knock not, on I'm doors. Saying, yes, ridiculous. to, to knock doors and answer phone calls. No. So it was saying, you know, the actual you know, nuts and bolts of democracy are really important. They haven't really changed. It's about people being enabled to and understanding how important they are. Merry Christmas. <laughs> wow, he's Thank good. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was nice to meet you as well. Yeah, have a great holiday. Nice job. Right. Who was asking the question about purity tests and the wine caves? Um, the, 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 the female who asked a bunch of questions. Yeah. That was, that's a, that's a Julie, uh, uh, well, Julie, what is her last name? Jester, I think is her last name. She's one of the, she's one of the 10 people that won that, you know, out of the 300 people that applied for that NBC job. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's fabulous. She went to Georgetown. She went for this. She, uh, um, I know she, she looked at, oh God, she, the re, she had to do a lot of research for the, for the NBC or for whoever, I, I can't remember what she worked for, but all the, she did all the research for, um, all the nasty stuff with the, with the, with the, what is his name? Nasser or whatever the, 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 and the is uh, she also on video or is it all audio with her? She has a camera, so she's filming and then asking questions and then tweeting out instantly. Like you could follow her on Twitter. Um, I think it's. I think it's Jules Jester or something like that. Um, uh, but yeah, so I don't know where that footage goes. If you know NBC is playing that or not. But each one of the NBC people, um, there, there's another one. Amanda Golden is one of the. Okay. She follows. You right, know, so she what, also they're, they're filming. Yeah. Okay. So what do we have next? What's coming up in the next couple of days? Okay, so that's all we have. I mean, I that's. I mean, I have a couple other things at home, like uh, file stuff. Um, there's a lot of candidates coming up now that uh, Christmas is over and going into New Year's. 
However, um, I was originally going to stay for New Year's and try to see Yang. He's got his big New Year's party, the 31st. Um, Universal but, basic uh, inebriation. Yeah, but a buddy of mine invited me to go to Montreal, and I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to take a little bit of time off and have a little fun. So, uh, I'm gonna, so uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to get some stuff before I go. Um, well, hang on, our producer of- has something to say about that. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, so wait a second, you're going to Montreal instead of doing yeah. leg work for the David Feldman show? Well, you know, it's just the pay. The pay okay, okay. my producer not, has you know, something he wants to say. Hang on. Can you give your loyalty to a Jew before you're on blood? Okay. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what scene number is that? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm sick. All right, yeah, so yeah. are we going to talk to you before the new year? So, let's see. It depends. Today's the 26th. I'm going to be in Connecticut till at least the 28th. I might be able to snag some stuff on Sunday. It depends. But then I'm probably going to be leaving the next day or so because I'm going to go up to Vermont. We're going to hit a lot of the beer places and then go up to Montreal, go up to Canada. Um, so I don't, I'm don't. i not sure yet. I'll have to get back to you to see if I get any new stuff for Monday. I got a business to run. I got a business to run. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. What's wrong with you? Ah, you're getting all the stops out, right? All right, go go have fun. I'll be here waiting. <laughs> go have fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's three freaking, I mean, tomorrow, I mean, again, I'm in Connecticut for family stuff. But, I right. mean, there's three Bernie things tomorrow, but, you know, that would all be right. fun to go see right. him a lot, but, you know. You know, yeah. if you put your family before the David Feldman show, one day I don't get divorced. You're right. Good one call. day you'll wake up and you won't recognize the David Feldman show. That you're probably right because originally, where you you were like a more of a comedy thing. I mean, I've heard about all the alliterations that I guess I can go back to the uh, the archives and listen to. But God, who has the time when when it's ten hours of new stuff each week? All right, but yeah, I'm sure nobody on their the deathbed said, I'm sure glad I spent more time with my family than the David Feldman show. But that's your choice. That's You're right. No one has ever said that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I've got a call. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, uh, you yeah. let me down, and I'm disappointed. Well, I'm just I'm just returning the favor. Okay. You know, what is it, nine? What time is it, ten? So I don't have no, a New Year's show now because you want to go spend time with your friends and your family. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know. Heaven forbid right. I get a little rejuvenation and stuff to uh, yeah. get more of this uh, crazy campaign. So, yeah, there's a lot of people on Monday, too. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know. I'm what? sure I'll get something Sunday. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't yeah. want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to be thinking about my listeners who are going to be just feeling abandoned. It's just going to be dead air because we won't have you. Oh. But don't worry. You enjoy Montreal. Oh, you- you have such good guests, though. I mean, That's you know, okay. I, I feel like maybe I'm hogging the airways by, by being on, like, twice a week. I mean, most of your guests, at most, are once a week. So I kind of feel like I'm taking over too much. So maybe if I lay back a little bit, you know, get a break, then then you can, like, rely on them more to, you know, pull their weight. But, you know, that's right. up to you. Just to give you a heads up on my Machiavellian playbook, 
Yes. When you get back from Montreal, I'll be distant. Yeah, you won't be answering your phone. I'll be distant. (laughs) Well, of course. I I, I understand how it goes. You're going to... I understand how it goes. Yeah, and it's going to make you want to work harder, and uh, that's how we do things here. Okay? Yeah. I mean, I haven't yet... I mean, oh... I mean, I guess I should maybe. Uh, I guess I shouldn't mention my exclusives that I when I get up to Canada. By the way, I didn't get a Christmas card from you. I didn't get a gift or a Christmas. All my other you're, you're, regular wait, guests I, sent me cards. I don't know or, who. I can't imagine anyone sent you a Christmas card. I got uh, Christmas cards and gifts. You're I, the I, only I, one I, who didn't get me anything. But you know I, what? Well, that's okay. You, 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 you told me you were scared and you never wanted to share your address with me. I thought that's what you had told me about when I asked for your address to send you a uh, Hanukkah Harry card. All right. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just want you to know that one of my greatest joys is firing people on Christmas Day. And Oh. Yeah, and I didn't get to do that this year. So. Right. All right. All right. David Bacon, how do, you, you don't have any... There's no way to reach. There's no way to contact you, right? If yeah. People, if people want to talk to you, how do they? You don't have a website. You don't have a Twitter account. You don't have no, you got an it. iPhone. No. Right. Exactly. And that's that's someone has to do that. I know. Someone has to be the person who does that because everyone else does it the other way. You, I, ha, someone has to see what what you know what. I was on Twitter for. Oh, right when it started, my aunt was doing, I don't, okay. was doing co-ons in New York City, and I was on for like two weeks, and then it was like, this is, this is an evil yeah. thing, I do not want this, and that was ten years ago. For, okay. You know, that's, it's insane. No, I'm on none of that stuff. Alright, no. so you have been a welcome addition to this show. My listeners love you, and cool. just, it's the end of the year, and I just want to say, you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. Okay. We're still doing that one, yeah. Oh, awesome, and you're you're welcome too. I, I, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll try to get some stuff done. We'll see what happens. All right, all right, David. Stay on the line. Great job as always. We'll do. Stay on the line. We'll do.